you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. The Around the NFL Podcast. Loves a good defensive struggle. From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it's Around the NFL. I'm Dan Hansis. Heroes here, Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. I like a defensive struggle when it works out for your team. It's great. It's awesome. Mm. Nasty little uh, nasty little fang this Sunday, football Sunday, right? <laughs> yeah, a bit, of a, a bit of a come down from last week. And I don't even mean that, obviously, with what, what happened with the Jets today, and we're going to get to that later. But just like it's almost like Sunday, football Sunday, woke up on the wrong side of the bed and was just like, I'm going to go about my business, but I'm just going to stick it to some people today. Like, it's just a little <laughs> bit of a weird vibe to some of these games. Out, outside of the Jets, what, what do you mean? The Cowboys-Vikings being the premier game of the week, and I know we're going to get to it, and being a total uh, no-show, that was a big problem. And then I look, problem. and it, this is universal, even though I'm referring to the league of, of record and fantasy that no one cares about, but like sub-100-point scores all over the place. Yeah. I feel like there are a lot of mm. strange happenings in our league uh, in this Sunday, did we get some clarity in the league? I don't know. I think You know what I think it did a little bit? With a couple teams, and Greg and I were talking about this, um, teams like the Vikings, teams like the Giants, where there's been all this like national complaint about their records being inflated. Well, maybe we're getting a little bit closer to what the records are. I, I don't really feel that way about them necessarily because this is such a weird year. I don't even know who's that good at this point. But... Maybe these teams deserved a little bit of an L to bring them back to reality. A little bit of a regression week. I like yeah, that maybe. Yeah. theme. Some of these teams. Um, Ravens yeah. took the week off on offense. What are that they was doing? a little bit of a yeah, weird game. strange. You know, we don't, no one's calling for that four days ago. For Texans certain- are still playing this season. Right. <laughs> Fielding Gotta the team. Can continue to? Um, 
for some fan bases, it was kind of like a swallow the sadness Sunday. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, we're going to get to all that. Got to go through that. But uh, one of those fan bases, surprisingly, turned out to be the Minnesota Vikings, who entered uh, week 11 with just one loss, riding high, welcoming in a Cowboys team, licking its wounds after a tough loss in Green against Green Bay. And then this happened. Snap back to Prescott. He's got a lot of time. Deep down the right side. Oh, it's caught at the 45, 40, Pollard, 20, 10, Pollard. Uncle, 68 to Tony Pollard on third and 15. Good night, nurse. Yes. Nice call by Brad Sham, the Sham God, KRLD. Uncle is right because just when you could start to talk yourselves into the Vikings getting a stop and maybe getting on a second-half bender there to make that game interesting. Tony Pollard goes off for his second touchdown catch of the game. He finished with a career-high 189 yards Ooh. from scrimmage. The Cowboys sacked Kirk Cousins seven times. That's the most he's ever been sacked in a game. And when it was all over, when the carnage had completed, when the dust cleared, the Vikings' seven-game win streak over because the Cowboys won 40-3. to Greg... What did you see in this game? Because this was this was a first overall draft pick uh, in our draft on Thursday for you. We were expecting this to be a great back and forth close game, and instead it turned out to the biggest blowout of the year. Just don't about. try to stick it to me that once again my first overall draft pick went bust. No, I think it's fair comment. You guys by are Dan. calling this like the Jamarcus Russell of number one overall draft. <laughs> Listen, pick maybe it's swallow the sadness Sunday for you too. I don't yeah. know. Uh, it I was, didn't, I didn't was go sad. the way you thought. I was disappointed. Poor Tony I was thinking, Romo. He was is, trying to leave the booth by the third quarter. Right, Tony Romo in a big spot in an NFC game. I was interested in it. As, but I like good football. And so I wasn't as disappointed. Uh, some, loyalty, blowouts, yes. some blowouts can be entertaining. And watching the Cowboys play this well was entertaining. Let's just start with the offense. Because when Dak Prescott is playing this clean, and you have Tony Pollard as the lead back. Oh, you can give Zeke some touchdowns at the goal line to make Two him feel good. You yep. can start him in the game, which they did. Well, but to make Jerry Jones happy, I think. Right. Yeah. Let's be real. Tony Pollard is the lead back here. You mentioned his total yardage. Over 100 yards of that was over expectation, according to Next Gen Stats. Good He's stat. so like good in terms of breaking tackles and making people miss and getting yards after contact. Leads the league in that. But Dak, to me, was the key. The Vikings had one quarterback hit in this game. No sacks. Almost a Golston. We're going to make this thing happen, Dan. Who's we? Uh, me. Uh, Dak. Someone pointed out it was also a dirty Peter at one point, and you just steamrolled it. Uh, but let's keep it going. It was Dirty Peter years ago. Yeah. But when go ahead. Dak has been up and down, I, I think, since he's come back. Uh, but the, his throws in this game were so accurate. And I, I think what really stuck with me is the drive before halftime. They get the ball back with 35 seconds to go inside their own 20. And instead, with a 20-3 to lead, the game's over at that mm. point, it almost feels like. And Mike McCarthy stays aggressive. They keep... Yeah, he does, Advancing Zaddy. the ball seven yards at a time, and still there's no time left. It doesn't feel like there's going to be time. Great pass up the middle from Dak uh, to get them somewhat in shouting distance. And then one of the best throws of his life and one of the best catches of the year by CeeDee Lamb on the Beautiful. sideline to set up that 60-yard bomb by Mayer. And it just got me thinking, like, this offense, when it's that aggressive, is right there with the best offenses in the league, even without uh, a wide receiver next to CeeDee Lamb. For I now. mean, it's just, I think it's as much about this, the Cowboys' defense – and we've mm. talked about the Vikings, and the Vikings fans don't like to hear this about how they'll take naps. Who's your buddy again? 
Well, he you know he texted me and said, no, you know, this is a disaster. So there, I think you know you're. No, I'm not le- looking to pile on. I'm just right. No level-headed. Yeah. I mean, what fans. else is he gonna say at this? No, point? No, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think they, Vikings fans probably He's swallowing the sadness. They, they were probably a, like <laughs> waiting for a game like this to emerge at nope. some point. I I mean, I don't know if this is a hangover from the Bills game. I, I don't. It's hard to describe yeah. a result like this. I I I. It does again. It's so weird because last week didn't. It changed what I thought about the Vikings, like from a psychological angle. I'm willing to take this just game and say the Vikings are one of these teams in the NFC uh, the, the, that they're there. Are they a dominant team? No. I mean, you know, there's a or, there was a PFT put them at number one in their power rankings. I don't know what they were doing with Yikes. that. Who, who's PFT again? Mike, Mike Florio and PFT. What, who's his favorite num- team? Well, it's the Vikings. So I don't know if that hit, hmm. if that was cooked into it. But this was a game <laughs> where they punted. They punted seven power straight times. On power <laughs> rankings crime here. Wow. You don't just wander into the power rankings game. I don't care who you are. Well, it's not uh, rankings on rankings crime. If I bring it up, you you did not you did not jump into that in, in a negative way. Everything I was. Know. I don't know. Everything was bad for them, and I don't think it erases what happened. I do think there could have been a hangover from the Bills game. That was an emotional game. Uh, you know, in the cold and all that. Yeah, but and, this is a huge game too. Right. America's team coming in your building right. and the game of the week on Fox. And you, and you got another one on Thursday. It's the fact that it was both sides that were absolutely steamrolled. The offensive line was terrible in this game. Kirk Cousins had no chance. He was just pressured. Although the first sack of the game, the first play of the game, or the first drive of the game, Michael Parsons gets him for a sack fumble. And that was more on Kirk. So it's like everyone had problems. And the Vikings defense, who to me isn't that special, gave up seven straight scores to start the game. Yeah. Seven straight. And it, it reminds me of like when we were all in the end zone at the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning versus the Seahawks. Right oh, out yes. of the gate. Right, 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 yeah. The snap goes over his head. And you just knew. It was over. It just felt like this is not going to work. And this game, when it went, when it reached ultra disaster, right out of it with Micah Parsons destroying Kirk Cousins, it was like they never appeared again. That was it. That was the play that kind of set the tone for everything. Uh, and yeah, I think I, I think it's it's fair to say, without being too much of a downer, that the Vikings are due for some regression here. That they are a team that was. Um, eight and one with a minus point differential. These are facts around the team. They now won. they are. Yeah, now, now they, they have minus. All right, so now they're eight and two with a minus point differential. That doesn't mean they're bad. That just means that there have been multiple coin flip games for them that went their way, and I think it is not out of the realm of possibility that this team does come down to earth because they were never as good as their record was indicating. So I'm not putting too much into this loss. I think it's very good, even though their bodies might not feel this way. Um, although you did get. A lot of players got the fourth quarter off. You get to play on Thursday on Thanksgiving. And if you beat the Patriots, it's kind of all washed away and you move forward and you're still in great shape. Uh, But it's humbling, I'm sure, at the very least, to get beat like this in your building. Yeah, Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they beat the Patriots. I I just look at this season and I I can't get too rattled by any one result. Yeah, they'll they'll be uh, back in the mix. We'll be talking about that game. But they won't have Christian Darasoff for that game. So their left tackle who's been a great story for them, probably headed to a Pro Bowl, suffered a concussion or was tested for a concussion for the second straight week, which is, you know, we keep having these occurrences where guys are in the concussion protocol, return, and then have a concussion the next week. Now, Kevin O'Connell said they're going to be really safe with him. He's definitely out Thursday, and it could be a multi-week injury. And you mentioned there's been other injuries. They had to play Andrew Booth, who was a really high pick for them. Was he their first-round pick or their second-round pick? Either way, I I think he was their first-round pick. 
he ha- has been benched all year. He's been their like fifth cornerback, and they haven't played him. And then today, when he played, they picked on him, and that's why he ended up leading their team in tackles. So they have some some leaks springing up. When I when I see this game from Dak Prescott, twenty two for twenty five. I mean, you were right. He's he's a little Second bit rounder, a little bit hot and cold. Dak Prescott. That throw to Ceedee Lamb, which by the way, he was like one. His arms were like one point one yards out of bounds, which is the most a player's arms have been out of bounds on a catch in three years, according to next-gen stat stats. Let's go play. It's a weird stat, but it's like that. That It was an incredible throw and an incredible, incredible catch. And like him and Lamb together, I mean, and you suddenly get Pollard. You know, a month and a half ago, it's like, oh, just give Pollard a little bit of the workload. It's like Pollard is an emerging star who fits perfectly into this Pollard's offense. one of the best running backs in the league. He literally led the league in yards per touch a year ago. Danny, mm. and he leads the league in yards per touch this year. You would think that would be like a, a superstar that he would get, you know, credit for being a. Superstar. What's Jerry Jones going to say? He's still my running back. Zeke is still He's my, my guy. guy with He's all the money. It's working. Guy. This is working fine. The big I mean, person. Hey, did anybody see Zeke scored two touchdowns today? <laughs> At one point, he goes. Zeke goes into the end zone untouched from one yard out, and your boy Tony Rome was like, "And that's why you gotta play Zeke Elliott." It's like. I could have scored that touchdown. You could have. Whatever. Hey, the Cowboys, they're going to the playoffs, but they want to win the NFC East. To do that, they need the Eagles to lose a couple times. And it was looking like a two-game losing streak for the Eagles until Jalen Hurts stepped up. Third down. Game on the line. Hurts takes the snap. He's back. He's going to run. He's in. Touchdown. Jalen Hurts. What a seal it there. Jalen Hurts what on a quarterback draw scores, and the Eagles can take the lead with the extra point. Something tells me the Red Seas parting Moses style doesn't happen if Shaq Leonard's on the field there. That's one of the easiest touchdowns at a huge spot you'll ever see. Or if Moses were on the field, that would be notable, newsworthy. God, are you here? Um, <laughs> Jalen Hurts scores that go-ahead touchdown, or the game-tying touchdown, I should say, from eight yards out with a – Buck 20 to play, and the Eagles got the extra point. Rally for a 17-16 win over the Colts. Uh, a game, Mark, that for a long stretch here, the Colts, who I, the team of Sestiel? They are. It looked like they were going to stack wins here and become a, a big story, but uh, their offense stalled again, and the Eagles found a way. Well, if you're the Colts, this is a crushing loss because your expectations were to come in here and do exactly what they almost did. Um, Jalen Hurts couched inside a problematic offensive showing overall from compared to what we've seen from Philadelphia because this is a good Colts defense. I thought he was so resilient. He runs with such confidence. Um, he threw the ball with precision early on. They really had issues on third down. Um, Hertz was strip-sacked by Grover Stewart, who's having a Pro Bowl season. There was an A.J. Brown fumble. There was a play where Jason Kelsey, who's essentially a perfect center, snapped the ball over Hertz's head. He had to run around, mm. grab it, get knocked down. All this stuff kept happening on third downs. They had, you know, you don't have Dallas Goddard. The two back at t- backup tight ends early in the game had critical penalties. They just were out of joint, and it wasn't a game where, outside of you know Devonte Smith looking great, they just did not have that deep element to their passing game. And I give the Colts a lot of credit for how they fought in this. On the flip side, I think one of the stories of the game was that out of the, right out of the gate. The Colts ripped down the field, and I was wondering, if this is the environment that this Colts offense is going to operate today, um, they're going to be unstoppable. Jonathan Taylor had 49 yards on the ground. Michael Pittman, a big pass. Matt Ryan's well-protected. A couple big plays in the passing game. Bang, 7 nothing. 
Jonathan Taylor was essentially, they put the clamps on him for the next two and a half quarters. I think it was one of the best performances by Philly's run defense. Mm. They started Linval Joseph and Adama Sue days, especially just like 48 hours after Sue. Sue he was just on the, he, the car assembly line. Exactly. And they chopping and it there, up, there was a smoking great, cigars. There was a great play where they combined on a sack, the two of them together. It kind of just shows you this Eagles team. Like they're going to find the guys they need. Um, this was not a stellar performance. I thought, if anything, though, they're a good enough team to escape that two-game slump, and they showed it today. Flip side, though, the Colts are well coached. I don't like like this Jeff Saturday <laughs> I mean, thing. Is not a, oh it's no. not a flip. They just look better than they have. Well, their defense has the been place. fantastic the last month. They've been getting better and better on defense throughout the course of the season. I think that started when Frank Reich was there. It was a joy. Uh, in the early slate of games, I felt the joy coming off of Mark's body watching this team. And it does Gross. pain me that they didn't win this game. But you didn't seem that disappointed. You were really just loving football and loving being a part of the Saturday gang. I was. And I also enjoy watching the Eagles because I feel like every game for them is so – some of these teams is like you do, the Chiefs. You do the same thing week after week. That's nice. But, like, the Eagles, to me, are a little bit different. And they had to work their way out of a funk. And to me, it added on what I thought about mm. them. It elevates what I think about them. Hmm. Made a stop there at the end, their defense, too. I mean – Yeah, but yes, I kind of J- feel like the Colts. The Colts at that point, I was just like – Nope, it ain't happening for the on that final drive. You mean, right? People kind of have asked, like, well, what about when the Eagles when they get punched in the mouth a little bit? Last week was the first time that they trailed at all, and they tried to make that comeback, and they they couldn't pull it off. This week, in a similar spot, they put up fourteen in the fourth quarter. So that's just like a good experience, I think, to have for I a agree. team going to the playoffs. And um, Matt Ryan, I saw some um, critical tweets about his um, arm strength in this game. What did you see from him in his second start back? Uh, I mean, I can see what they're saying. I, I think he made a couple of big throws That's early. New. Yeah, he made a couple of big throws early. I mean, again, again, I think the last two games have been a different experience for Matt Ryan. He was sacked three times today. Uh, you know, he like this like Jalen Hurts what, or five times, I believe. Jalen Hurts was 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 battered as well. I mean, it was really a game where both defensive fronts had their way, and so Matt Ryan's mm. not going to thrive in that setting. But it's better than a lot of other Matt Ryan performance we we saw earlier in the season when the team was an ultra disaster. Tough tough for the Colts because if they found a way in this game they'd be the story of the league right now you know they yeah well they're they'd be five five and one and then they host Pittsburgh um on Monday night and you know at that point the whole city's back behind the team doesn't work out that way uh the Eagles nine and one Mm. every win gets them closer now to just both the division and with a Vikings loss really in the driver's seat right now for the number one seed in the NFC. Right, yeah, two games up uh, in the division, like you said. I thought it was just telling quickly that in the fourth quarter, they called uh, four design or seven design runs for Hertz at, at nut-cutting time. Mm, That's gross. the most design runs called for a quarterback like in any quarter, I think, in the next-gen stats era. That there was like, we absolutely need points. Let's stop messing around. Let's have Jalen Hurts run. And that was the difference. He ran well. All right, let's take a break, and we will continue our roll through Sunday. What a funky little Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's so... Two New York teams to get to right now. Let's swallow some sadness, everybody. The snap, waist on. Pressure-free punt. And it's a good one. Forcing Jones to backpedal. Right side at the 16. Stab left. Granite right. Down the sideline. To the 40. To the 50. To the left. Left at the 45. Beats the punter to the 35-30. Marcus Jones down the middle to the 10. Into the end zone. Lock in the back. Who's Hilsey? Who back in here? Yeah, that part did not make sense to me. Idiot. You're essentially would probably be flying back to. He's got to, some to business there this area. week, actually, with with Gatorade or Powerade. What is no, it? No, he wishes he was Gatorade. So much information. <laughs> He's a sentient Powerade bottle. <laughs> Bob Sochi with the call. WBZ. Yes, uh, in the defensive stalemate of the season, it was a rookie for the Patriots who played hero. Marcus Jones returned upon 84 yards for a touchdown with five seconds to go. I will look the other way on that block in the back of the 10-yard line because that doesn't matter because they didn't call it, and it is what it is. Jets lose 10-3. Patriots win in a really, really uh, tough game if you're someone who, let's say you're trying to introduce your kid to you know, <laughs> football, for instance. No. Uh, this is not the game to watch. Now, I, ending aside – Enjoyed it uh, on a perverse level, not because my quarterback's a mess and the offense stinks for the Jets, but there was like something uh, noble about both defenses, the way they 
just kept on answering the bell over and over again. I mean, the Patriots were completely dominant in this game, um, making Zach Wilson look as lost as um, he's ever looked, even though you didn't see the turnovers in this game. He played scared and jittery, especially as the game went along and missed a lot of throws. But the Jets' defense was really, really uh, downright heroic within the terms of football because every time they got a stop, and the Patriots did cross over midfield multiple times, they would make big plays to back them up, force punts or a missed field goal or two from Nick Folk. Uh, but the Patriots on the other side, were, uh, you know, they come back with their own roundhouse rights and uh, uppercuts on defense and, and send the ball right back. So it went back and forth all game, no turnovers either. So very interesting in that way too until the punt, which, you know, everyone's playing for overtime at that point. Uh, one missed tackle and Marcus Jones, give him credit, he made a big play. Uh, it was such an unusual game to to what you've described that it was the first game in at least – the last 40 seasons in which the first touchdown scored was a defensive or special teams touchdown in the final minute of the game. Mm. That is, I mean, we've just never seen anything like it. And there is a, a lot from your Jets angle, or if you're a Patriots fan, obviously, a lot to take away from what this team can do on defense. I mean, they're really well coached, and that's been a week-to-week consistent thing. It's not an aberration, but neither is it an aberration that you are forced playing around or playing around a quarterback that I don't think is an NFL quarterback. I, it, to me, right, well, like, that's that's strong. He's in the he's in the NFL, but he's having a very well, bad year. I, I just say it's gonna it's catchy. It's gonna it's it's a big challenge, and it's catching up. With, Absolutely, it's catching up with the, the Jets. Room. Looks beefy. You, you, all uh, you want is just basic. If you just got basic, average, lower third of the league quarterback play, we're gonna get. To you're the, getting out of this. All right, let's get. We'll get to the Jets and Zach Wilson. I want to talk about the Patriots first, though, because. They did um, move the ball. This is not. This isn't a situation of neither team could do anything. Mac Jones was actually 23 of 27 in this game for 246 yards. I think Greg, the biggest thing with Jones for me, and I thought he was much better this week uh, in a lot of ways than he's been recently. I'm not coming out of this game feeling good about Mac Jones, but I think his his lack of mobility um, really stands out. Now the Jets are an excellent uh, pass rushing team, uh, but he's one of those guys in a league where you see more and more quarterbacks that are able to get away and make plays he can't get away and that's that that stalls many drives for them right there was a couple key sequences early when Mac Jones took a sack for instance to back them up and Nick Folk ended up hitting it off the crossbar like that was a play that I've seen a lot out of Mac Jones this year where it felt like the first reads weren't there and he just sort of then waited for the sack and that you didn't see a lot of that last year but you know, he was defensive. Both quarterbacks were a little defensive after the game, but he, Mac Jones was a little defensive saying what you said, which is like, hey, we moved the ball. Uh, you know, we, we got to capitalize on our opportunities better, but we moved the ball. There were things to build off of here. Yeah, and, you know, on the Jet side, I, I mean it like the, the Jet game against the Patriots three weeks ago felt like such an important game for Zach Wilson. So when he bombed that game out, for me, it lowered my expectations of him a little bit. And then this game comes off the top turnbuckle, and it's like, personally, I don't think he's the guy. I don't. I, I know there's a lot of Jets fans that are saying, still, we got to give this a little more time. Uh, but this is a type of game that I will remember, that Jets fans will remember, as a guy that looks skittish and scared and couldn't shoot straight. And then after the game, to compound matters, um, he's asked by the media, um, his thoughts on a game where he couldn't th- get a complete pass in a big spot to save his life when the defense playing out of its mind, and this is what he had to say. 
as an offense, though, I mean, you guys are only able to score three points. The defense only lets up three points. I mean, do you, do you feel like you let the defense down? No. No. Thank you. It's the wrong answer because it's an easy one. That's that's a right. layup. That's media 101. As the quarterback, you represent the offense. You say, yes, we did. The, the defense played great. The special teams outside of that play, they really played well. We need to be better. So then you leave it to your rookie wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, to speak the way that the quarterback should be speaking, which leads to a disconnect and questions about the locker room. Here's Garrett Wilson. Not okay. I mean, straight up, he's not okay. We had how many how many total yards we had? A little over 100. Yeah, that's not 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 gonna fly. So, um, you know, we got the dudes. It's time. You know, it's time to be consistent. It's time to start winning the games we should win. It's time to to do all that. They had they had more punts than Zach Wilson had completions, and more punts than they had second half yards. Ten punts. And the they had two yards in the second half. And beyond. Yeah, two yards and seven possessions behind all the gnarly stats. Beyond that, beyond the words you heard there, you see it on the field too. Some of the body language of the Jets receivers when Wilson was just sailing throws high and skipping passes. It, it, there. This is a thing. And Bob Salat, I, you know, he's done a lot of great things. Uh, just like Joe Douglas has done a lot of great things to make this team uh, worth a damn this year. But the pr- protection of, of Zach Wilson can be frustrating when after the game, uh, Robert Sala says, it was n- the furthest thing from my mind is taking Zach Wilson out of the game or benching him. Mm. And I get it. I get it. I understand as Jets fans, we need to maybe swallow some sadness and go through this season because you invested a number two overall pick. You got to give it two years. I- I'm willing to live with that. But hmm. if this is what the experience is going to be, unless we see something big in terms of gains in the last uh, eight weeks, the Jets need to aggressively address quarterback. Well, I, I disagree with that um, approach by Salah because I think there's a way to try to do both. And Garrett Wilson, they, they, he was seeing Stormy into the locker room saying, I'm done with this, you know, when he's like walking into the locker room before he talked to uh, reporters. And at one point in that, uh, interview, he said, hopefully this is a wake-up for some people in the facility. Hmm. And you don't know. But it's a rookie. Just hopefully, I, I think he might mean the, the quarterback decision because when you're going through all of that, Dan, you, you had to be thinking, you know, give Mike White a shot here to try to win this game. And yeah, it invites all sorts of questions. And do you go back to Zach Wilson next week? I would say yes, you would in that scenario. But, like, try to win this game. It's still 3-3, three to right. three and you owe it to the people – in that group, because by the end, it was it, the Patriots are just teeing off three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. The Jets defense is playing their hearts out and, and it doesn't make a difference. Believe me, I, it crossed my mind and I I understand why they're going the route they're going. Uh, but it, it, it clashes with what you're seeing with the rest of the team, especially that defense. That is a Super Bowl level defense that you're potentially wasting the season on with I, Zach Wilson. I, I don't see what they're – I don't agree or understand why they're doing what they're doing. If the record were flipped, if they were had two wins right here, then I'd say you stick right. with Zach Wilson and you give it at least just use the season to go into, into the offseason with clear heads about what to do at the quarterback position. What if you got a lift from Mike White? Why is Joe Flacco not even given a it shot? It doesn't end his it's career a, if you bench him. That's it doesn't. And also, like, here's if he's going to ever be the guy, you getting benched at this point in this season doesn't mean it's, it wouldn't end it. It's not just that it's a, a chasm between the offense and defense. It is a drumbeat of your own wide receivers and skill position players mm. saying stuff the best way they can say it without saying his name. I don't disagree. I really don't. Um, 
what I'm saying is I, I see where they're coming from because I think also the way, especially the energy in this room, the frustration I have as a fan, we don't think the quarterback can play. I think they do. I think the I think in that building, Why, the coaches, I'm, not, I'm just saying the things, the way they talk, I think they see a path to him getting gotcha. better. Um, but the coach, the players obviously are pushing back on that. So I think when Garrett Wilson is, he's talking about Zach Wilson, sure, but he's also talking about Michael LaFleur, I think right. the offense court. I think he's talking about Robert Sal, the, the whole coach. Thing. The whole thing. I think it's just a lot of frustration because they know, everyone knows how good that defense is. And what happened today is embarrassing. And we got, and they got swept. They got swept by a team that I'm not going to say the Jets are better than the Patriots after they got swept, but there is not, there's no reason the Jets should not have at least split that series. And the reason they didn't is the quarterback. So you could spin it however you want, but that's the truth, and those are the facts. It's true. It's the quarterback, and it's another one of these. This Patriots team is bizarre. This was the first win that they had without scoring an offensive touchdown since uh, the Teddy Bruschi snow touchdown game, which. Fans of the Patriots from 2003 will remember. It was a similar type of game where he intercepts it at the end and, and then ends it. They're starting to, like, stack up these bizarre defensive performances. They were number one in the league in EPA per play. They've turned into a good defense. I don't know if they're a great defense, but they know how to beat up on the bad guys. And I was going to say, Jones, especially at home, right. especially against quarterbacks yep. in over their head. They, right. they eat them for lunch. They kill them. And this Marcus Jones pick was a fun pick that they made in the third round. I think they took him essentially as a return specialist, which very few teams would do. A 174-pound, like five foot eight cornerback to basically be their returner because he loves special teams that much. And he showed up a little bit at cornerback, but he's basically a returner, and he's been great this year. I think he's like a future Pro Bowl-type returner, and it really paid off today. Let's move on, but let's stick a pin in it because I do want to talk about Greggy, and we'll do it because this week's a little different because of Thanksgiving and the Pats do play on Thursday. I want to talk about Matt Patricia and this offense because the Foxborough fans were booing again, mm. and it wasn't Mac Jones. It was the some of the play calling, which I thought was terrible by the Patriots in this game. But we got to move. We'll get to that this week. Let's check in with the other New York team that was flying high. Problem is, they welcomed in the team around the NFL to the Meadowlands. Uh-oh. Goff leans in from the four-yard line. Goff gives the strip up the middle. End zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Those guys up front have done the job all day long, and they opened that thing up wide. And DeAndre Swift ran it right up the gut for the touchdown, and the Lions have extended this lead. Get on your airplane. I'll meet you there. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> but this does. Three games in a row. Me and the team. ran for a career-high three touchdowns. The Lions beat up on the G-Man 
How did we open this New York uh, dual New York segment with a sad song about New York? It was really well, only just pointing at one of the teams, right? It's the yin and the yang. Well, I the, the other New York team were the... dancing on their graves today, and everyone in the nation can be happy because well, the Giants' oh, so fake he, record is being brought back. He's a to Giants the... fan. He no, was so I mean, this upset is just like, this result. No, yeah. this is just like it's it's just like the Giants were so happy that the Giants. We had chose been... the Lions as the team of ATL. I, I'm not really even referring to the two of you, but I think there's a national call for the Giants to be put in their place. Let me just make something clear from a production standpoint. Uh, The sad New York song was for both New York teams. In fact... Oh, we sound real sad right now. I moved them together. I'm like, listen, we're talking about the team of ATN here. Uh, I moved these games together because both New York teams went down. I mean, I get the concept. Now, you need to understand that we love the Lions in the studio. Yeah. At least the majority does. And it is very nice to see them as bad as this season started. One and six questions about whether Dan Campbell for all the bravado and grit and how much we like the guy and and the program to now having results, which they desperately needed and back to back road wins after never producing one in the first whatever game, you know, 18 games of the the tenure. uh, This was a huge win. This is a huge win for the Lions. I just love the way they did it. And you're right. I was singing in the newsroom. I was saying this is a very special honor because <laughs> it is a special honor when you're out. What? It's a great but song. But Dan Homan is, I mean, you've got to come, got to come be a part of it, Dan. Like it was I just, thought no, you liked it. Day, so I didn't day. know you were long so day. mad that the Lions are winning. I'm not so mad at all. I like was... I actually can be, I, I'm thrilled for the Lions. It's the <laughs> anti-Giants thing that, I, that I'm personally piqued by. Well, I, it was more about the Lions in well, this game. Well, that's but Greg I was Rosenthal happy. you're yeah. talking about. It, I, I was I happy understand. I got the, the pick right, too. But it was so many days. You know about, you know about 42 and 46, I right? I've heard of the, the legend he of 42 dance, and 46. This segment includes him getting to dance his Fugazi Patriots team beating the Jets and the Giants losing. This is this is a Greggy segment. This is the yeah. segment of the year. I'm going to be <laughs> dancing on top of the desk. Uh, Aaron Glenn. <laughs> Dan Campbell. It was nice to see them. They outcoached yeah. uh, Brian Dable. Not that Dable hasn't done a great job. He would be my coach of the year at this point. But they had a game plan defensively. I want to start there that I think worked to perfection. They loaded their front. They played four or five guys. They loaded that box. They just refused to let Saquon Barkley beat them. 15 carries for 22 yards. And they just went man coverage on the outside the whole game. And they like these wide receivers, other than Darius Slayton, just try to beat us. I know we're not good in the secondary, but we're going to load up up front. We're going to blitz quite a bit. And we're going to see if you can beat us for a big play. And you couldn't do it. Alim McNeil, not a player that we've heard a lot from since he was drafted in the, I think, the second or third round last year. He was like Aaron Donald in this game. He had like eight or nine pressures. He was all over them. Aiden Hutchinson turned this game around with a leaping interception. He's That's, starting to make some plays now. He's right. starting to stack some, uh, you know, impact moments. He had a sack. At that point in the game, I would say the Giants actually might have been out playing the Lions. It, it, it shouldn't have been this big of a blowout. Rodrigo's making plays. There they forced is. three turnovers. It was just really good energy. I've seen good energy from their defense since the bye, and I think it's been building. And the Giants, you know what? On the Giants' side, they're just like the Vikings. Um, they're due for a stinker. This is a stinker. They're still in really good position, the Giants, at 7-3. and three. But I think like the Vikings, maybe more, I think more so um, than the Vikings, Just I would keep an eye on the Giants and see how they react to this game because there's been a lot of positive buzz around them, vibes, confidence building. That's a bit of a humbling loss. They've lost two of three. Now you go to Dallas 
on Thanksgiving, home against the Commanders, who are obviously a little friskier than we give them credit for, and then you get the Eagles, and then go to Washington, then the Vikings. So the story of the Giants has not been written yet, really. No, and I, I don't disagree that, like, they are – do they look like a 7-2 team that we would think a 7-2 team looks like? No, I get that. I just think, like, the story of the Giants is that Brian Dable – a first-year head coach in a year where a lot of first-year head coaches are floundering in epic epic fashion has been the coaching advantage week after week. Now, I think Dan Campbell's a good coach, too, and his plan and the Lions' plan showed itself the last On couple of sides. weeks. Absolutely. So it's like, I, you know, I think you can you can look at both teams. You know, I am kind of coming in with an angle on the Giants thing, but like I do look at the Lions and say it is so important that this happened because had they dropped these last three games and looked completely incompetent on defense, you start to wonder if major changes could happen. Now it's making me think the flip side. Dan Campbell can point to this and say, I have a plan. It's coming together. I love their coaching. And, you know, I think they had a lot of bad luck early where they lost some games they shouldn't have. And then they won a couple games. Maybe they shouldn't have won against in that Packers game. Certainly the Bears game they stole. Even Steven. This game... The way they had Jared Goff on the move, and sometimes it was boot and boot action, but sometimes it was him reacting and running away from the blitz. Not a considered a strength of him. He played really well in this game. DeAndre Swift has turned into their third running back. That touchdown he scored at the end was kind of like when they give Zeke Elliott the touchdown. Hmm. It was actually uh, Jackson was the backup to uh, – to Williams in this game, and both of them ran really well. They had a lot of creative play calls, and I do worry about the Giants' injury situation. It's been a problem for them all year. They lost two more cornerbacks in this game. It was later in the game. They were already losing, but Adoree Jackson got hurt on a punt return. That did not look good. Another starting cornerback. Two offensive linemen got hurt in this game, and a safety, and they have a short week. So that was five more players playing significant snaps for starters like it's just been piling up a well, little well you you mentioned like the future scout you do start to worry that like the positivity around a surging early season could turn a little, slightly dark in a I, hurry here i do wonder if this game is maybe a pivot point for their season but listen just like we were just talking about the vikings go win on thursday eh. And what, like, away. like there's no, this season is literally uh, the opposite of even vaguely predictable. So they sure. probably will go beat no, the Cowboys. They, they were due their plus one uh, point differential. But yeah, if you lose that game on Thursday, we'll get into it. They'll, they'll be third place. But I love the Lions. Even make they made Thanksgiving better. Even just looking say, forward yeah. to well, them for the yeah. first time ever. Thank you. I haven't been this excited for a Lions Thanksgiving game since. Third Eye Blind played halftime at the Pontiac Silverdome in 99. They got all these teams that play each other. Unbelievable. That, that Thanksgiving teams playing People each other this week. It. That's smart. Third Eye Blind. I, I thought it was, uh, who was the other one that had the more famous uh, Thanksgiving? Creed? Per- Creed, yeah. Oh, yeah. Creed. Well, they played at the uh, old uh, Cowboys Stadium, right? Okay. Or Jarrow I thought they also played in... Detroit, I thought. Creed had, Creed had, if they brought Creed back for a Thanksgiving performance, everyone would love it. Creed had like um, dancers flying through on curtains with like painted metallic green faces. Um, and Scott Sapp was singing very seriously uh, while all of that stuff was going on behind them. Like it was it was wonderful. Uh, it's America's holiday. Finger looking good. The team of be, eight. That will be fine. E-L. Yeah. Three in a row. Keep it going, boys. Let's take a break. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Let's now head to the Superdome to the NFC's most disappointing teams head to head. That's a sell. Out of the shotgun right in the middle of the field. David Johnson to Dalton's right. Saints under pressure. Dalton throws it to the middle of the field looking for Olave who makes the catch. And see you later. Bye. Chris Olave with the touchdown. That's how you go from second and 23 to a touchdown. That's so funny. Skinny Dalton's face after that. Always amazing. Mike Haas with the call. This is like the Joe Montana wins a Super Bowl song. Feels a little. I think it's apt. Over the top for this particular Dennis game. Dennis Allen won a game. Anyway, Andy Dalton threw three touchdown passes. Matt Stafford left the field in the middle of the game to be evaluated for a concussion in the second half. And the Saints beat the Rams 27 to 20. Uh, the Rams now 3 and 7. The Defending Super Whoa. Bowl champion. You have to go back. I, this would be. We should take a look at this. Most disappointing defending champion seasons. This one is a rough one. Nick Shook, here we are, buddy. Welcome uh, the pipe to the show. Uh, unbelievable. His body is a temple, um, but the Superdome was Andy Dalton's temple on Sunday, and he praised. It, I mean, Andy Dalton. You know, he he gathered those Saints up in the huddle. He looked down. And he said, hey, isn't that uh, John Candy behind the goalpost? Yeah. Hey, man, let's make something go. sweet. I, I Here's like a your touchdown pass to Chris Olave. <laughs> he just had well this done. look. If, if you watch it on YouTube or watch the highlight, he kind of like looked to the crowd and just be like, can you believe that? Can you believe he, I he just did the did MJ that? Again in the uh, I think finals? it was more that was a duck and it worked so out. Just quickly forget talk. about the five interceptions I've thrown over the last two weeks, please, everyone. <laughs> Football is completely different uh, than basketball. That's true. <laughs> 
Go ahead, Chucky. <laughs> he did the, uh, the the WWE Randy Orton where he gets up on the turnbuckle and he just turns and looks like this, puts his arms up in the air like, <laughs> did you not, you know, did you, do you not, are you not entertained? Are you not that's entertained? What, that's what Dalton was on Sunday. <laughs> are you not entertained, Saints fan? 21 of 25, 260 yards. Wow. Three touchdowns of three different pass catchers. We had Juwan Johnson, who's on a roll, by the way, guys. Five touchdowns in five straight games. Jarvis Landry got into the mix and Chris Olave. Dalton has been under fire, kind of indirectly, more Dennis Allen under fire for continuing to roll with Dalton for the last month or so when Jameis Winston is not entirely healthy, but healthy enough to be number two, healthy enough to play. That's yeah, a whole and weird story Allen over there now with Winston. So this helps yes. this helps Dennis Allen too, right, Chucky? You know, you don't have to worry about having that conversation for another week. Absolutely. You need vindication. You just hope that the Rams come up on the schedule and all of a sudden your quarterback looks real good. This is his best game as a saint. Uh, he powered this offense. They were able to get some running going with Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. Uh, it provided the balance, the offense they've really needed for the first time in what feels like a month plus they had some life offensively. And, and, you know, this is a matchup of two teams that have both been struggling with the football have both had issues at quarterback, Matthew Stafford getting knocked out last week. He wasn't able to play. He got knocked out of this game. They had to go to Bryce Perkins and the saints just ended up being the better of two bad teams. So it's not a game that you look back on and say, that was the moment our season turned around. I don't have much, you know, belief in the saints from here, but it was nice for them to get a win and for Andy Dalton to actually put together a nice game when he struggled so much but for me more importantly than anything it was good to see chris olave play a an important role in this offense and not just be an afterthought like man he's such a talented receiver he's probably the best he's receiver my rookie in this of the class. year I've believed... i don't care about the numbers yeah, he's been the best player i, I think that's a rookie I, I i yeah i totally agree he's been the he was my number one receiver coming out of this class and that's maybe some ohio state bias but i just thought he was the most pro ready receiver in this group and and often they don't use him enough because they've struggled with the football when it comes to andy dalton so to have a game like today it's very encouraging. And then on the Rams side, big bummer, man. I mean, talk about disappointment. They're on track to be the first team since the 2003 Tampa Bay Buccaneers to finish with a losing record after winning the Super Bowl. And frankly, I don't see any reason why they're not going to end like well, that, guys. I mean, they could be five. They they five and twelve feels like they're over under. Well, here's right the question now, now because you, we learned um, this morning through some reporting that Cooper Cup after having that ankle surgery is out six to eight weeks, do the math. He's, he's probably not coming back. And now Matt Stafford with the head injury uh, recurrence here. I mean, what's to stop the Rams to, by, to rightfully play this very safe at this point in time. I'm, I'm I surprised. Mean, Stafford, in my opinion, right. I'm surprised Stafford played in this game. I think that's, that's odd too. It just it was I, it was it was it was odd all last week how Sean McVay handled it from uh, answering the question from Jordan Rodriguez about what was going on with him. He's back in. It's the another player with concussions two times in two weeks. Right, here? and they never actually confirmed that he had a concussion. And he, y- you said you thought his answers were weird. Like he kind of talked about Stafford's family, and it just he didn't answer a question straight about whether he had it again. And he's then not, to, we don't, he's not even in the protocol as of right now. Okay, so they tested him, and he's not he's gonna necessarily. T- he's going to test protocol. tomorrow, Shook, right on Monday. But I mean, this is a Saints defense that didn't have Marcus Davenport, no Cam Jordan, no Marshawn Lattimore, no Pete Werner, and this and Sean McVay for all the bells and whistles about his genius um, has not coached this team out of it at all. Matthew Stafford or not, I don't think the offense seems to change one iota without him or Cup in there, whether Stafford's in the lineup or not. The only change from them today was Tutu Atwell actually did something. He caught a long touchdown pass. Otherwise, it was more of the same. I thought the entire it was the the one moment that was I think emblematic of their entire season in terms of what they have on on offense when it comes to talent 
was Bryce Perkins dropping back on a third and long. He had Ben Skoranek open and just overthrew him, and they ended up having to punt. It's like, ah, that, that's that's the Rams in a nutshell. Just yep. not good enough, not talented enough. This is who they bad are. Year, bad their year. defense isn't even that banged up, and the defense keeps giving up these, these kind of games. Yeah. Jalen Ramsey got cooked on that touchdown to Olave, by the way. All right, let's now move, I was going to say to Orchard Park, but it wasn't in Orchard Park because, you know, the snow and stuff. Let's head to Fort Field. Allen puts McKenzie in motion over the right side. Now the snap. Josh wants to throw. Scans the end zone. Fires it in. Don't get a man wide open. It is caught. Touchdown, Buffalo. Touchdown, Bills. They take the lead with 14 seconds left in the first half. It is Stephon Diggs targeted and one catch, and it goes for a touchdown and a Buffalo lead. Oh, yes. The Buffalo Bills got themselves back on track. Josh Allen throws that five-yard touchdown pass to Steph Diggs late in the first half. And from there, the Bills cruise, never mind the score, they cruise to a 31-23 win over the Browns uh, in a game, yes, that was moved from Buffalo to Detroit due to several feet of snow covering western New York. Um, Shooky, I watched this game as well, so I want to I tee up this way. Um... The Browns came out playing really well in this game. They looked like the better team for the better part of the first half to me. Um, so that's how monumental um, I thought that final drive of the first half was for Buffalo, not just in this game, but potentially in the season as they spin forward because that kind of seemed to calm everything down and the Bills got back to being the Bills from that point onward. Yeah, you know, they looked like a team that had to dig its way out of several feet of snow just to get to the team bus, to get to the airport, to get right. to a game that's a home <laughs> game that's not actually a home game. And the Browns looked like a team that didn't deal with that type of snowfall. Now, granted, in Cleveland, we've gotten a little bit of snow, but nothing like that. But the thing is, is just as you said, Dan, this was the moment, I think, that the Bills rediscovered who they were offensively. It wasn't perfect, and it did include an element that I think a lot of people have wanted from the Bills for a long time, which is, a bit of a commitment to the run because that's actually what helped them move the ball, especially in the second half and really salt this game away, handing it to Devin Singletary, handing it to James Cook, watching them run hard, pick up first downs through this porous Browns run defense. That was what was most important. It wasn't Josh Allen throwing the ball over the field. In fact, he couldn't even get to Stephon Diggs until that touchdown pass just before half. And again, though, it's a team that we're talented, we're playing poorly, but we still capitalize on these situations after having a really bad first quarter. I think they had uh, 15 total yards in the first quarter and then blew the doors off the Browns in the remaining three quarters, which you like to see that because it's a group that, you know, everybody's favorite. Everybody loves the Bills. They're they're flying high, and then they run into a little bit of trouble, and then all of a sudden you're like, are they good enough to get out of that trouble? Well, right. today they were, and maybe this is the launching pad for them as they enter the stretch run of the season. This isn't a shift to jump off uh, Buffalo. This is that this team is it's too good. And um, you're right. They did a be much better job running the ball. And it was interesting speaking to that. The vibes around the team and the frustrations of the recent weeks uh, before that touchdown drive at the end of the second quarter. Stefan Diggs, there was a side of shot of him on the sideline. And Sean McDermott was kind of like talking, like calm down a little bit. He was upset that he wasn't seeing the ball and the offense wasn't doing well. Uh, so this was a team you could feel some tension uh, riding within them. So this was a really nice win to get back to seven. They almost like woke up out of like a super hungover, it seems like in this game. Because at one point it was like 124 yards for Cleveland to 10 for Buffalo midway through the second quarter. Josh Allen did not like, he looked like he was still deeply in the slump. It's important for them to have turned it around. I mean, I look at this box score, Nick Chubb, 14 carries for 19 yards. I'm trying to remember the last time that occurred with Nick Chubb. That's so impressive. They, they shut the run down too. The fact too. that the Bills could be like such a run dominant team. You mentioned Singletary and Cook both with 86 yards. 
uh, on 29 combined carries. And then to be able to shut down Nick Chubb, I mean, that shows a toughness. I like the way you set that up, Dan, because if you're going to be a Super Bowl team, you're going to have these ebbs and flows, and you're going to have different moments of the season. And, and this little Detroit two-pack that they have with the Browns and now the Lions here on coming up on Thanksgiving, it could be, you know, something they look back and on. And this was a – real quick on the Browns, this was a, a big game for them, even though they were the heavy underdog even after the venue change, to try to get, you know, a win here that would have put them within striking distance with Deshaun Watson now two weeks away. Uh, they don't have that. So they're 3-7. and seven. David Njoku came back. He made an incredibly athletic uh, play on a leapfrog um, play. Uh, his ankle looks good. Uh, and Amari Cooper has been awesome all year. He's exactly who the Cowboys need right now, by the way. Um, so uh, Deshaun Watson, when he does enter the fray, he's going to enter. He might be rusty, but he's going to have some guys Wait, to play gonna with. Is he going to outplay Jacoby Brissett the way he played today? Come on. Brissett was great. <laughs> Shook. <laughs> Of the last word, I'm going to offer something here. Yes, go I'm ahead. I'm going to offer something, guys. Um, Deshaun Watson's going to give you a reason to watch the Browns, especially with Amari Cooper, as they de- you know kind of develop their rapport. But I'm going to volunteer this now in case you guys haven't. I'm sticking a fork in the Browns because they're going to be entertaining enough to watch on a week-to-week basis, and they're going to keep committing the same mistakes that they've made. At this point in the season, I've seen too much to believe that they're suddenly going to transform. The fact that they're 3-7, and seven, they're out of the race, the only reason to watch them now is to see how Deshaun Watson fits in for the rest of the season. All right. This is the respect I have for Nick Show. So much. Let's stick a fork in a call to order an emergency session, fork session. With Deshaun Watson back in two weeks of three and seven Browns, are we comfortable forking them? Absolutely. 100%. I, too, shall agree on that. The order has been carried or something, <laughs> and the Browns are forked. Uh, Nick Shook, you will never be forked on the show. You're vital, bro. Not even Creed could save the Browns right now. <laughs> yeah! Oof, All right, dark. there he goes. Let's keep the train rolling. Let's head to Atlanta, where the Falcons were looking to get off the mat. Midnight train to Georgia. Great song. Cordero Patterson out of Great the end song. zone. He'll hit the 20-25. Here goes CP. 35-40. Patterson on his way. 30. He's got the 20-10-5. Touchdown, Atlanta. Holy smokes. There's the record. For the ninth time in his career, Cordero Patterson has returned a kick for a touchdown, and three of them of the nine have come against the Chicago Bears. Oh, what a career, Cordero Patterson. Making making records with another kickoff return for a touchdown. Unbelievable. Uh, That was a huge play for the Falcons and a 27-24 win over the Bears. Uh, Patterson's score was not the decider. Young Way Coos, 53-yard field goal, 53. He's a great kicker. Gave Atlanta the lead with less than two minutes to play. And Greg, the Falcons get the stop on D against Justin Fields and another win for a team that's just kind of grinding its way through a season. They're staying relevant. You know, this keeps them alive for another couple weeks. The the Bucks are in first place. Sounds at, familiar at last five year. And five. Yeah, but a little they're better this year. We've yeah, sort of been so. debating, you know, at one point I, I said they were spicy. That was maybe too much. Uh, they're definitely frisky. <laughs> nah, frisky yeah. I, I mean, yeah. like if if we think about it in terms of like the Chick-fil-A menu, they famously don't uh, have Chick-fil-A open on Sundays anywhere, including yes, inside the right. stadium because of God. Maybe 
Maybe they're just like the nuggets. They're the Chick-fil-A nuggets. They're tasty. I mean, they're sticking around. They're feisty. They're salty. <laughs> they're, they're, they're salty. And they've got Patterson. Who? Let's, it's just time to give Patterson his flowers. His, he's the special teams player of his generation. Like, he's there literally the best special teams player of his generation. Not just all those returns, but he's been a top-tier gunner on punts and kickoffs throughout his career. That's why Bill Belichick loved him so much. Jesus Christ. And in a game that, like, was – Somewhat predictable and a little depressing from the Bears Jesus side. It Christ. didn't have as much offense overall as they thought. Like, Patterson gave it some juice. Remember when we're using that uh, Vilma drop <laughs> seven years from now? That yeah. that was in reference to Cordero right. Patterson running over someone at the goal line. It's ama- His career mark has been amazing because he's always been this incredible special teams player. And then Arthur Smith, to his credit, found a way to make him a real offensive dif- difference maker. He's just been a great weapon for them two years running. I mean, he was a he was a fetish of Bill Belichick for a while. I mean, it's like th- this is someone who can do so many different things. I think with 10 Atlanta, for 52 on the ground today, had a I, nice day. The way he runs, like I, his frame, he just is so much more powerful than I recall him like earlier on in his, in his career as a runner. And like, I, I think Arthur Smith deserves credit on a strange roster for what he's done with him and other players. And I, I look at this Bears team on the flip side, it's like, they're, they call shootout games when both teams score 24. I'm not sure I totally agree with with that this category. This wasn't a shootout. Because I know it is, but that's for the category. Because, but they're 0-4 in these games. Oh, okay. like they're 0-4 this season because you talk about a team where it's like all these great defenses that have no offenses helping them out. There's like four or five of those teams. This is the reverse. Who judges, who judges this as a shootout? Is that an NFL I, score? I, I'm, I agree that this one was not, but that is who a made category. That? The NFL research department? At least one team a, needs 30. I would think it need to be 30-30. That's what but, I would yeah. sign off on but that. But one of the teams has to get over 300 yards. 24 plus. See, when you watch this, it actually was more defense than you expected. There was <laughs> Glad we settled that. Yeah. I don't think we settled <laughs> anything. But The Falcons' defense played quite well. They they kept Chicago under 300 yards. They forced two turnovers. Their, their defense had to, like, bow up on short fields. We had the special teams touchdown here. And Justin Fields wasn't – full Justin Fields. If you look at the box score, it looks like it. 85 yards on the ground, 150 through through the air, uh, had an interception, had had two touchdowns overall. But in the second half of this game, he wasn't the same guy. He had a hamstring injury that I think was bothering him. He had 14 carries in the first half. That was the most carries, I think, for a quarterback ever in the first half of a game. Which is, and only five of them were scrambles. Most of them were design runs, and it was like they pushed it too far. They finally get to a position where they're down three at the end of the game. It's money time. They called design runs on the first two plays, which was weird because he was kind of limping out there. He didn't have the explosion, and he kind of he re-injured his hamstring, or and he hurt his left shoulder on one of those. He was hit, I think, with a late hit in the head on a slide on the second down play, and then he throws an interception which was more about footwork and just a bad throw on on the third play. So it was an ugly drive, and he came out of this game pretty banged He up. didn't seem right to me. Like, the hit to the head, he was slow to get up after mm-hmm. that. And then you saw him – I mean, this whenever this never seems to work out well. You saw him clutching at the – what I thought was a collarbone at first, but it's the shoulder as he was coming off the game. And they asked him about that, and he said that it, he was in a lot of pain. So, I mean, first of all, the, the way his game is, if you're going to have a major shoulder upper body injury – that's you're not going to be the same. He kind runner. of begged out, not begged out, but he stopped scrambling in the second half. Like he had chances to run, and you could tell he wasn't feeling great, so he decided to just stay and throw. And they had a long touchdown drive. And that's eight a minute- good recovery, by the way, Greg. What? Especially the us three in this studio should never be saying any player begged out of anything. Oh right. Now I don't mean begged out. He 
he, I think, adjusted and adjusted well. They actually had right. an eight-minute touchdown drive to tie the game, and he had some good throws in there. Uh, but he stopped running, and you could tell it was because he, of his health. I mean, he said after the game, uh, after the X-rays, I'm hurting a little bit, and you saw a shot in the bowels of the stadium of him on the cart holding the left shoulder. Mm, right. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. And he's against a very tough, as we know, Jets defense next week. So we'll see uh, what's going on with the Bears. So that's their fourth straight loss. They're losing games. They're three and eight. But you know, there's still a lot of hope, and so much of that centers on Fields. But he has to be healthy. One one last point. The, the yes. Falcons did a great job protecting Mariota, who did not play well again in this game. I don't feel any differently. I want to see Arthur Smith with the quarterback. That's right. What I I, so Arthur Smith is the yeah. one refusing to play right. Desmond Ritter. 131 yards through the air. Didn't have a good running day either. Uh, but there were, they only had one quarterback hit in this game. No sack. So mm. very close to a, a Golston. Do you know who mm. had Dirty that, Peter, that uh, quarterback hit for the Chicago for the sh- Bears? Oh, it's got to be Jack Sanborn. It's Jackie Sanborn. Oh, yeah. well, also, a fumble recovery. He had some as plays. many people he told me in my mentions. Tackle. He had a big missed tackle, but well, he made a lot of plays. can't be perfect. Well, God created us all to have flaws uh, to show that we are human. You learn humility through that missed tackle. Exactly. Maybe. Who among us? Save it for the flaw. theology podcast, Tugboat. <laughs> got it. All right, let's uh, move on. Let's head to Pittsburgh, where there was a lot on the line, at least in the newsroom. <laughs> Burrow in the shotgun now. Two-by-two two formation. Pirine in the backfield. Burrow back to throw. Flips it out to Pirine. Looking for his third. Get in. Touchdown catch. Yeah. Runs yeah. over the pylon. Yes. Touchdown. Like. Bengals. <laughs> Samaje Pirine with a three-touchdown catch game. I love it. I, lo- I love parabolic mics, too. That's what I love. You know, there's a difference, though. You know, with Zolak, so that's Dave Lapham with Dan Horde. You know, there's a difference I- exuberance. And then the Powerade bottle, who's just, who's just like, taking shots at a fan base that's not even listening to the radio call. Yeah, but, I mean, he fits that fan. He fits his own fan base perfectly well. They love it. Joe Burrow threw four touchdown passes, three to backup running back, Samaj P. Ryan. One of my favorite names in the league, by the way. The Bengals rally past the Steelers, 37-30. Bengals up to six and four with their win. Uh, Mark, um, you and Mr. Rosenthal lock this game. That's right. Here we go. Lock bros. No, it's just it's, not, it doesn't work. It, it worked easy. today. Nothing Greg. smooth it worked with today. the lock on that side. But anyway, you guys sweated it out a little bit. We did. Uh, but Cincinnati took care of business in the end. They took care of business, and I thought you know it was an impressive win in the sense that like you don't have Jamar Chase. Uh, you lost Joe Mixon to a concussion early on in this game. Coming off a game Oof. where he had five touchdowns, and they finally got off the shelf running the ball well. P. Ryan steps in. Uh, T. Higgins had an insane game. It's just like you've been. It, it, he completely they got two number ones. Completely stepped up to play that role. Um, our, Tyler Boyd had a couple big catches in this. Our guy Trenton Irwin, who was just activated, Crikey, came in and had a couple big he catches. He looks like as the well. crocodile hunter our too. Guy, it's a rare. Our guy. It's all three yeah, of our guys. Well, we, I think guy. we all in unison. Let's call to order. <laughs> our guy. I don't even know who Trent Irwin is. I, I but well, I'm, we had I'm along up. with it. Yeah. Yeah. He became our guy. I mean, it was also just the Bengals defense down the stretch. Is it the Bengals defense or the Steelers offense? <laughs> Call to order. Our guy committee. There's so many committees. Their, their offense is getting consistent. 
And that's what we've all, that's all we've asked for. This was a game where their defense, and I, I've got questions about their defense, ton of injuries to give up this many yards and points to the Steelers is not good. But if their offense well, is minute. consistent, the be- then they, I'm just saying then we have something to believe there in were, with the Bengals. There were problems in the first half, but the, the Bengals gave up 16 yards to the Steelers in the third quarter and about 60 total in the second half and completely shut down Pickett and Pickens. I get the it, but they, they gave up 30. This is the best day. Kenny Pickett's out as a pro, so you can't give him too many flowers, right? I'm not. I don't know what this endless giving the flowers to everyone is. It's like every show with the giving the flowers out, but it's like um, they they they're in Pittsburgh. They don't do well against the Steelers in general, and like they they hadn't won an AFC North game, and they surged down the stretch, and I thought that. Burrow made a couple great throws throughout the game, and so what? It, what? It's a division game. You go handle it. If we're going to, if we're going to give the division a, road game, if you're going to give the Bengals flowers, a, like a complete Bouquet. pass to get crushed by the Browns, a terrible Browns team a couple weeks ago. Well, then I'm going to give them a pass to like not look like Just the All Star team of the Earth. Just long term. That's all. Was talking defense. <laughs> they, they, that was I'm annoyed Steelers now. You, you know, like you guys locked this together. Why are half? you fighting? This is why we are not locked, bros. <laughs> Listen, this is uh, interesting. You know, I think the. Steelers are at least T.J. Watt made such a big difference. I mean, he had an incredible he, he, acrobatic interception in this game. Uh, and Joe Burrow's just pulling his hair out with the Steelers team because he's had, you know, big counting staff production days, but a ton of turnovers in both these games. But in the end, yes, they get the job done. Jamar Chase is off crutches, we're hearing now. There yep. was a report on Sunday morning, so maybe he's getting closer to the lineup. Hopefully that hip allows him to be the Jamar Chase we know. I'm looking forward to what the season holds for Cincinnati. I think they're going to be an exciting team uh, that will play into January. They're, not, they're just often not pretty, and I think like it's easy to remember how dominant they were for weeks in a row, and then their magic carpet ride to the Super Bowl. They're not that team right now. You know what else isn't pretty? Um, Lots of things. When you... I- when you lock a game, right, mm-hmm. and then and then on this podcast we cover that game, and you get the wrong lock. Oh, and you don't, and you control the soundboard. Yeah, and all who you do, have to do, do that. All you have to do is hit the Price is Right sand horn and say, "Hey, I locked up the Vikings to beat the Cowboys, and they lost by 37 points at home." Um, that should be easy, and yet it didn't happen. But now, since we're talking locks, uh, uh, Mr. Grave Digger. What happened there, buddy? What happened at the top of the show today? I locked up the Vikings, and they lost by 37 points at home to the Cowboys. Can we have another committee meeting? Call to order. All right. If you lose by more than 30, if your lock loses by more than 35 points, can we make it a rule? That's losing a lock and a half. (laughs) You get a loss and a half. I, I, I deny that motion, but I see what you're going for. Okay, how about moving forward? We won't even put it on Graver, but moving forward, if your lock loses by 30-plus points, you should have an extra half on it. Well, or how about just be <laughs> vaguely accountable and, and interject Thank in the you, show Mark. as the producer? Right. I think that's I just, real. You Let's skirt, not bury the lead here. Okay, the I, w- I was going to hit the horn and jump on and take accountability well, this, we for my terrible lock. We were all going to do lots lock. of things. We all but were going to do Dan lots of was, things. he was already transitioning oh, to the I Eagles. Was. Oh, I didn't want to Dan under the bus. I didn't I want was. to cut off your flow, Dan, and like ruin oh. the transition. And it because, was such good so now podcast he's hosting. Aaron Rodgers on the McAfee <laughs> show. Oh yeah, the receivers weren't in the right place. No, no, it was just great. such you to start a cutting good, Dan's reps. Such My a host good is difficult host. to deal with. Dan was hosting so well by transitioning so smoothly hey, that if I cut back. that off, he got me back. We're that fine would be now. bad. You producing. think we're just simple? To, oh well, Dan did accept that answer. Do you think? <laughs> by the way, do you think if? How did? Do you think if we if I was doing that transition and 
it was 43 the other way? Do you think he would have yeah, hit, hit the grand <laughs> He jumps in with an eight-minute soliloquy about how brainiac he is with the, with the locks. I love Gravedigger. I've joined his team. I'm a Titans fan now. He and I. I love know, this is one of my favorite things. What? Mark goes off on Justin, and then he's like, his brain's like, must readjust. But I love Justin. Justin. I adore you. I think that you're wonderful at your job. Justin is one of the more likable people in must the building. So I can't, I'm not going to pretend I don't like Justin. That's Overcorrective <laughs> steering. <laughs> It's like my actual driving. All right, let's move on. I love you let's, also. Head, let's head to Baltimore where the Ravens <laughs> had a layup against the Panthers, or was it? Jackson will keep it on the read option. Jukes a man, stumbles to the one, dives in for the touchdown. Lamar Jackson extends the Ravens' lead with the first rushing touchdown and the first touchdown of the game. I can tell you what, he had me fooled because I was leading <laughs> Drake. And Lamar went to the right side with the ball. The Baltimore Ravens forced three Panthers turnovers in the final eight and eight minutes and 14 seconds of game time. And <laughs> I don't know why that was so hard to say. Lamar Jackson <laughs> uh, took advantage of it with that game-icing one-yard touchdown. Run, final score, 13-3. Let's bring back the Grave Digger, uh, who had some eyes on this game for us. Uh, Justin, everyone kind of had this one circled at Baltimore as, you know, a um, – let's I'll throw it out there. Um, a 31-10 to 10 type win, you know, maybe a 27-6 win. But this game was 3-3 in the second half. Yeah, it was uh, Baltimore was 12 and a half point favorites. And this game was just kind of, you know, another one of those defensive struggles. Punt, punt, punt. Like the first, uh, this is a possession count. Punt, 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 interception, punt. And then the Ravens ended the first half with a field goal to take a three nothing lead into halftime. But both teams were like really committed to stopping the run, which seemed to hamstring both offenses pretty, pretty badly. And the Ravens end up getting it done because the last four possessions for the Panthers ended in turnovers, including one on downs, Mm. fumble and two interceptions. And Baltimore capitalized on good field position. Like, they got a field goal on one and they got a touchdown on the other. That's how they were able to win the game. here's my question, Justin, Um, because we we just gave the Bengals a bit of a pass, as I think you should. It's like, just take care of business, especially on the road against a division rival. Um, The fact that they weren't able to score points um, against Carolina – Carolina doesn't have a bad defense, but are we worried about the Ravens' offense after this game? I wouldn't be worried about it. The Ravens really just couldn't run the ball, and it seemed like that— They need to run the ball. They 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 need to run the ball, even against teams that are built to stop them, and that's how good their running game needs to be, or else they're not going to be the Ravens. Well, it was also weird because they didn't commit to running the ball. They opened the game with a five-play drive, then it ended a punt, and all five plays were passes. And Mm -hmm. even the commentators, Mark Sanchez on this game, was wondering, like, this is a team— that runs the ball, why have they not even attempted to run the ball? And then Kenyon Drake takes a few handoffs and gets stuffed seemingly every time until late in the fourth quarter. And it's like, oh, maybe this is why they aren't running the ball. But I agree. I mean, if the Ravens want to be the team that we think they are, they need to be able to run the ball. But on defense, they look like super legit. Um, Roquan Smith was making plays. They were using him as a blitzer. He looks like he's fitting into that defense right away. So uh, from that standpoint, Baltimore seems like one of the AFC's best teams. But the offense, I think the offense will come, I don't know, it just seems like they were having a little bit of an off game in I, this I wonder one. if they're sort of a matchup offense, which to your point, they, they can't be. They have to be able to run the ball no matter what. But, like, they dominated the Saints 
baffled the Saints, but against that in, the week before on that Thursday night game, they did come out throwing the ball in a str- to a strange degree against the Bucks, and it's like it's, uh, to me that that throws me a little bit. I mean, I think the takeaway is if you can do the Panthers of anything, and I know they had Baker Mayfield in there. I wonder if that kind of messed up their their flow a little bit. They were so dominant on the ground a couple weeks in a row, and you held them to 36 yards at 2.1 yards per carry. Like the Ravens' defense is heating up and can shut down almost anyone. It seems. It's crazy that like Baker Mayfield coming back into the lineup and playing this game in Baltimore is just not even a, a story nationally or or even on this podcast. Like we're just like, oh yeah, it's Baker. He came in. They scored well, they, three they points. They didn't he, choose he, for he a couple picks. That's what we that that's what we expect. It's just crazy we got to that this point yeah. with him. Does he get another start? I don't know. I mean, he didn't. He obviously didn't do anything. So the Panthers are just their PJ Walker's. They're hurt. moribund. The, the Ravens aren't that talented at the skill positions. I mean, they have Lamar Jackson yeah. who makes you talented and they have an offensive line that could be talented. Ronnie Stanley had an ankle injury that Lamar said it sounded like it maybe isn't that bad. We'll see. But their number one receiver and their number one running back were both on other rosters this regular season. Like Demarcus Robinson was on another team. So was Kenyon Drake. And and those are their top guys. I know Andrews was back and he's really the one, but like that's... And Gus Edwards to, was out. He would have been the starting It's a lot to overcome. Yeah. yeah. And he, I think there's the... Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., there was a report that he's very close to picking a team. I know it's believed that the Cowboys are the heavy favorites. I wonder if the Ravens would get the, involved The Giants with that. were named. I would imagine the Giants Odell were fading in that Odell tweet about the Cowboys today, too. They they went crazy today. Yeah. Eye emoji. I will yeah. say on the Ravens' offense, I feel like today was just a lot of miscues that is not necessarily something you would expect from the Ravens. Like Isaiah likely dropped a pass that hit him right in the hands. He should have caught. They had a lot of penalties that like pushed them back, including some that weren't really penalties. Uh, Morgan Moses got called for a face mask uh, at the right tackle position where he didn't really even wow, touch wow. anybody's face mask. 15-yard penalty. That drive is killed. Shall we it excuse them, too, day. the way that we're giving everyone uh, sort of yeah, a week, a week uh, off? A you get a sure. win, you're fine. Doesn't matter at all. It was a nasty little Sunday. Yeah. This is another game. A little rough one. Nasty little game. Take a little punch. Swallow that sadness. Swallow the sadness. Nasty little thang this Sunday. Let's take a break (laughs) and uh, finish out the early and afternoon games. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of that, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, listen, we cover every game. We, this is the inside the NFL treatment, 1990 style. We all, everyone gets their flowers. Washington at Houston. Let's check it out. Flowers has been suspended for Snap the Mills is throwing again. This time, first like picked off by Fuller. 35 30 down the sideline. He goes. Pick six. He's in. Touchdown. Touchdown, Washington. We were just talking about Fuller and how he has been playing dominant. What a way to start the game. Indeed, Julie Donaldson. With Bram Weinstein, WBIG, Kendall Fuller set the tone with that pick six. Taylor Heineke threw for a buck 91, clean. Commanders roll 23-10 over the moribund Houston Texans. Mark Sessler, take us through it. Imagine a first half where the better team has 246 yards and the lesser team Offers five yards. <laughs> it's an outrageous half. Five? Five. The lowest, obviously, by any team all season. Now, if you want to go back. Well, the Jets had seven in the second well, half. So that's great that there was competition. That's the kind of Sunday it was. <laughs> the only the team, the team that did essentially the same thing last year was the Texans against the Bills. So their low point is low. And the low point for Davis Mills is low. And he had that Kendall Fuller pick six. He had a he had another bad interception on a deep pass. They couldn't get anything going. I mean, Washington was dominant on defense, especially Montez Sweat. Half of the young and sweaty duo will get young back soon. We enough. need it. We need well, young and sweaty together. But Jonathan Allen operated the second part of that duo. They combined for four sacks. So they just made the Texans have no way out defense. in these situations when someone like Damian Pierce isn't running the ball well. And he obviously wasn't on offense, they did just enough. I really think that Scott Turner, and we, we talked about Curtis Samuel on the preview show a little bit, has used Curtis Samuel so uh, creatively, and that was another case of that today. But in general, just the way that he sets up the run game, uh, I think they've been tough to beat. And Taylor Heineke will do, give you enough throws a game that in a game like this, this thing was over 10 minutes in. Yeah, it's uh, kind of typical that Davis Mills has the pick six early, and then Heineke had... I. Th- it might have been his first throw. I don't remember. Threw it right in the gut of a Texans defender, and then they just drop it. And that's kind of partly the story of Heineke's season. But you said, you know, clean game. That's nice. They run the ball. I like that they gave the ball to Antonio Gibson more because, to me, he's a little more dynamic right now than Brian Robinson as a runner, but they both ran the ball plenty. 33 and, carries combined. And you just got to wonder, how are Texans-colored Air Jordans, you know, going to play? Are they going to look great? Yeah, the, the Heineke right. Jordan you know budget what? is really popping off. Can up, I just though. say, can I? Because you know, I'm not a sneakerhead. I know a lot of uh, men my age are now, but um, I have to say, I've been unplugged on the Heineke story with the sneakers just because I just it was like Tommy Lee Jones in the tunnel. I don't care, but you know what? 
please explain to me what this is because I don't know and maybe I'm I don't, maybe the, I'm not alone. No, he, wears, only, he wears sneakers of the team, like shaded in the colors of the teams that he slays. He he buys sneakers for the whole team, Jordans or, or for his offense. I don't even know. Whole in team. the colors, What's his salary? I don't, in the colors know. of the team that he beats. Maybe it's his offensive lineman. That would make more sense or offensive got players. Be special order. Those guys got big old feet. He's, so he's dropping like a, a. I mean, I don't think they charge by grand. the yard or anything by the. The whole team. Greg? Let me look at. That's what you spot Maybe no, it's probably offense. Um, it's, it's a lot. That's all I know. It was going to root for losses. The, all I know is that Adam Schefter Fine, tweet, which was you. more uh, notable to me for the fact that Adam Schefter tweeted it at all than than the Jordan Schefter. I saw him on TV with his shirt off recently. Is he going nuts? What's well, going was, we know what he was. He was mimicking the Kirk Cousins thing. There's probably a bit that producer said, "Please do I, this." I gotta get. Un- I gotta unclothed. get caught up. It's, I gotta be. I mean, this Commanders in. team six and five. We. I, I know you're saying this is this is the stink bomb portion of the game uh, of the uh, show here, but they've won what five of, five of six. They're in the NFC mix. They could be tied well, for the H- last Houston playoff. Dra- Houston dragged them. In right. I'm just saying. Let's drag you down. I'm, I'm as surprised as anyone. Uh, yeah, Washington has Except really. It's like the third year in a row where where like Ron Rivera's won like four games in a row with a strange team. I think we know the ceiling here, right? This is this is a nine or eight, nine and eight or eight and nine team. But you know what? Considering all the garbage that surrounds this coaching staff and these players, I've got some developing pretty good, pretty developing good job Washington. news. What? It's um, it's disappointing developing news. Oh no! Uh, it has to do with Taylor Heineke. Mm. Oh no! He just buys the Jordans for himself. That's what I thought oh. the story was. Where did you? Where like on two? Tu- I just assumed. Well, I'm glad I'm, here's why. That. On Tuesday, he indicated on the Pat McAfee show he might buy his lineman Jordans for the Eagles win. Previous to that, right. it was only Jordans for himself. He, by the way, his base salary this season is 1.5 million. But he gets a $125,000 bonus for every victory. That was part yeah, of it. Yeah, but then you take taxes out of that. You know, It takes a bite. Yeah. You got to give, you gotta mean, give a cut to your representation. That takes a bite. He's doing, 70 players if you count He's the doing score. fine. And he... Shipping and handling? He has guaranteed himself employment in the National Football League for about six, seven more years. If you years take out all the different... Run. All the different, you know, hands that are out, he makes $350 a week. <laughs> That's a true story. Yeah. John Madden told me that in the John. Let's move to the last game of the week. <laughs> Ooh, this was, this was a humdinger, I'll tell you what. Zeuser pulled a straw on this one. And, uh, <laughs> this was a good short game. Short it was. It was, a good no, game. It, it was not a good game. It was good. To Denver. First and 10 on the Broncos, 35. Carr, play action again. Looking downfield. Lofts it near corner. Adams went over at the five. He walks in, and the Raiders walk off with the win. Touchdown, Devontae Adams, to win it here in Denver. I like Jason Horowitz, KRLV. Wouldn't mind uh, hearing Brent Musburger on that call. I hear you. Anybody else miss Brent? It's nothing to do with Horowitz. No, no, it's it's not a reflection on on his Maybe even just that call. Jackpot, baby. I I missed that. If you call, like, I think he has a 1-800 line, Musburger. Maybe he'll just do the call. Maybe he'll do the call for you for a fee. Musburger's living it up in Sin City. Derek Carr hits a wide open, and I mean wide open, Devontae Adams. 35-yard touchdown pass, third play of overtime. baby! Thank you. Raiders 22-16 over the Broncos in overtime. You know, the Raiders never even led this game in regulation. 
but they get a field goal from Daniel Carlson with 16 seconds to play uh, to push the game into overtime. Um, you know, and good for the Raiders because uh, even though Rachel Bonetta was on her show on Friday and she threw out there the idea like, eh, Derek Carr, is he, you know, gunning for an Emmy uh, with some of these press conferences, uh, how upset he is. I disagree. I think this has been a very emotionally taxing season when you go by how hard things have come for this team and to finally be on the right end of this type of game. I'm sure it feels very good for the Raiders as they get on their plane to head back to their city where the opposing play-by-play color guy would be in that city waiting for them. I don't know. You got to ask Zolak <laughs> about that. But uh, anyway, <laughs> nice win hurt my brain. <laughs> for the Raiders and the Broncos. Just more of the same, Mark. And again, first drive of the game or uh, the first or second possession, Russell Wilson looks excellent. He leads first right, half. He played pretty right much right down the field. Uh, they score a touchdown. He's making good decisions. He's buying some time in the pocket. He's making throws. And I almost tweeted it. And I was like, ah, shut up. So I didn't. But like you never get sucked in with this Broncos offense because they will stall forever, uh, even when you think they're turning a corner, and it doesn't matter if uh, it's no longer um, Nathaniel Hackett calling the plays. It's now Clint Kubiak. Didn't change anything. Same Broncos. That is pretty dark. If if four months ago, five months ago, we would know that Nathaniel Hackett, who was hired for this skill particularly, his offensive mind is mind. in – a week before Thanksgiving, days before Thanksgiving, turning over play-calling duties, um, that would be telling. There is an incredible stat from this game. This season, when teams are leading by three or more points with two minutes or less remaining, they are 102-6. and six. Okay. The Broncos are 2-2 two and two in those games. Mm. I feel like the Raiders gave up some of those losses, too. They were down 10 nothing in this game. You, you felt like Raiders probably aren't coming back. Adams, the, that that route in overtime was so good that he's amazing. The other defender wasn't on. It looked like it was a blown coverage, but it was no. He just like ran the route out of you know got him out of his shoes. He's he's been incredible. Derek Carr had a big time drive to set up that game winning field goal, but the the final drive for the Broncos uh, before that game tying drive from the Raiders was so disappointing. They run two times. They're coming out of the two-minute warning. The Raiders have no timeouts. We were having a discussion. Mm. I, I kind of said, don't let Russell... Will- I'm usually the aggressive person, but if you could take 50 seconds off the clock and punt, you either run, which I would think would have been fine, you call a very safe pass, or you tell Russell Wilson, you got to take a sack unless something's wide open. Russell Wilson is in shotgun. No play fake for the run whatsoever. He's looking down the field. It's a third and 10. I mean, how often have they picked up third and 10 this year? Twice. Nothing's open, and he throws an incompletion. After the game, they ask Hackett about it, and he said it carefully, but he said his wish would have been that the clock would have kept moving in that situation, Mm. which is his way of saying you have to take the sack there. If I'm going to trust you, to do that, you either have to take the sack or you have to run. Look, you know, you could have run for right. five yards and then punted, and that's just a a 
total brain cramp by Russell Wilson that leads pretty directly to them losing this game. That's that's weeks in a row where Nathaniel Hackett is suggested verbally that the quarterback is not it's killing him. operating Like he's going to get him fired. Speed. Right. And he's being asked about it after the game. He says, I mean, Nathaniel you know, I don't Hackett make those isn't decisions. Like pure and, in this, all of this. But. And you know what? I liked the call as bad as Russell Wilson has been, as bad as the season has been for Denver in that situation. That, that was Clint Kubiak saying, hey, Russ, okay. win the game for us. Then execute it. You got to execute You got to make a play. Yeah. Yep. And all well, you got to just take the sack. Like if something's yes. not open, you got to or well, run for five yards. There's and he no should know better. Either. He should know better. I mean, he's trying to make a throw. I don't think it was a throwaway, even though it looked like it. I think he was trying to complete the pass. It just didn't happen. And he just that has been his season in a nutshell. He doesn't make plays. There was no one. There was no one there. Much like the last play in regulation, which they weren't going to score on anyways, but. No one looked up for the pass. It's just a, a lot of that. For the Raiders' defense of all defenses to hold you to 16 points is is a new low. It's tough. They're, they're one of these teams where you, the season cannot end quickly enough for the Denver Broncos. And I, I think Hackett is in very deep trouble. Yeah. Yeah. New, new Come ownership. Come on, y'all. Russell Wilson. Holy shit. Remember, the very owners, exciting. The owners that, were not there. That was such a great well, that, like open press uh, that, that press conference. With that's Russell an example Wilson. of how – quickly things change in our league because uh, Nathaniel Hackett thought he had, you know, got, and he did have the opportunity of a lifetime. He takes this job in Denver. He ends up with this Russell Wilson borderline hall of fame level quarterback joining you on a big uh, blockbuster trade. And I cut to nearly December and he's on the ropes three and seven. Um, All right, let's finish this thing up with some Sunday night football, a gem. Kelsey alone on the right. Coming across to the left. On the run, Kelsey. Kelsey, touchdown! The hat trick! All right, Greggy, me and you are going to take this thing home. (laughs) You know, this is a tough day, Greggy, as you know, for me. Swallowed some sadness. Um, Getting a lock on Sunday night is good. But you know what was really good? What was a real victory for me, Greggy? The NBC, you're supposed to say what, Dan? Yes, yes. The NBC telecast doing a win probability blurb as Patrick Mahomes took the field with 146 <laughs> to play with two timeouts against the Chargers, who are just the Chargers, and a very tired undermanned defense. And at that point, it said the Chiefs had 24% oh, no. chance of victory. <laughs> And the camera is literally on Patrick Mahomes, one of the greatest players to ever play the quarterback position in the prime of his career. And what happens? Yes, Patrick Mahomes goes right down the field and finds his buddy, Travis Kelsey, for the third time. I mean, every time Kelsey plays the Chargers, he rips their hearts out. The third time was the uh, decisive score for the Chiefs and a 30-27 to 27 win over the Chargers. Just a heartbreaker for the Chargers, who had a chance to really be in the thick of the division race. Instead, Greg, the Chiefs, yes, improved to 8-2. and two. The Chargers fall to 5-5, five and five, and this division is all but over. And I know they're, they're swallowing sadness tonight, the Chargers and their fans. And you said uh, Week 11 was a nasty little thing. But I mean, the only thing was that was nasty was the Travis Kelsey like celebrations. He gets you know the Ladanian Tomlinson tea drop with with the yeah. you know 
the before he even gets in the end zone, and then he almost celebrates too early on the third touchdown. And you're right, I think you gotta take away win probability uh, forever after lining up that graphic at the end because as someone who was rooting for the Chargers in that moment, because I, I admit it, I have a soft spot for the Chargers and I wanted you to lose your lock, the combination. Sure. Um, I I would just assume the Chiefs were going to do exactly what they did because you know what? Mahomes did it the whole second half. Like every third and long throw that needed to be made, he made it. And the only reason they were even in that spot really is because they fumbled it wasn't Mahomes on their previous drive. I had no faith the Chargers were going to get a stop, and they did not. Yep, and uh, we do. We've heard about it. The between Joey Bosa's injury, uh, all the issues on their front line um, for the Chargers. It just set up that the old oh they scored too quickly, and they absolutely did. And you got you got to give it up for the Chargers because yes, they they came out uh, they came out very strong in this game. Uh, they were up. 2013 at the break as they went to the half they battled with Kansas City uh, uh, scored that touchdown late off the turnover to put him ahead but yeah when they needed to dig down and find find a way to make a huge play they couldn't and Derwin James is a great player and he had one of my favorite plays I've seen all season by a defender on that sack he had where he just destroyed the running backer the running back slash blocker and then uh, took out Mahomes uh, he gets toasted by Kelsey and I just think like I'm just thinking about Kelsey this year and how amazing he's been um, and how that's been even more important with Tyreek Hill gone. I think Gronk, for everything uh, that Gronk was Uh Uh as a all-around great tight end, I think he is on some level peerless because he was so physical. But Kelsey's the greatest offensive tight end I've ever seen, and I, Mm. I include Gronk and I include Tony Gonzalez and Shannon Sharp and whoever you want to put in the league in the last 40 years. I think Kelsey is just unbelievable the touchdowns he had today specifically the last two the the athleticism he shows he's just a brilliant player and he happens to have an all-time quarterback with him I guess it shouldn't be so surprising you're right and yet at this age like I am surprised and Derwin James was doing a great job on Travis Kelsey for most of that game and and some of the yardage that Kelsey piled up he ended up with six for 115 and three touchdowns he's gonna set a career high here in touchdowns in what season number 12 I don't even know what number this is you're right uh but I do got to defend Gronk I mean you can single up Gronk with the AFC championship game on the line in Arrowhead and just go to him play after play after play are you doing that for Kelsey I guess you just kind of did it just now and to to your Kelsey point he has to do more on this team right now because they lost Kadarius Toney in this game they were already down two wide receivers Marquez Valdez-Scantling is just not reliable and not someone they can trust. And so, yes, Justin Watson and Sky Moore pop up and they have better games at receiver, but it's like it's more on Kelsey than ever before, and he delivers. And Kelsey is 33 years old. He turned 33 in October. Um, I think he's older than Gronk, actually. Um, uh, So for him to still be playing at this level, it's pretty remarkable. So, you know, this was a um, a really – Fun, exciting game. The Kadarius Tony thing is a bummer because it's a hamstring again, and it's just when we all were starting to like get excited about what he could mean to this offense. We'll see what that is. Mike Williams, my goodness, you know, in a game where Keenan Allen comes back and makes huge plays for them and looks like Keenan Allen despite the one turnover. Um, Mike Allen, Mike Williams goes down with again an ankle injury, so it's just like the Chargers can't catch a break. And you know, as as a as a fan of a team that's a hard luck team. 
the Chargers are just one of those teams. You just you expect something bad to happen to them. I don't know if they expect expect it to happen, but cosmically it always seems to work out against them, especially when it's these two teams involved. Just another chapter in that story. The, these two teams play such great games. I hope that the Chargers can somehow take something from this, that they can play this well. Because this was o- overall, I think, the best that I've seen the Chargers play in a while. They put up 365 yards of offense. They get the key touchdown when they need it late. Justin Herbert was going down the field in the first half. I know that's kind of stopped for the most part in the second half, but he delivered the touchdown when they needed it. They're different with Allen. Joshua Palmer had a big game. Like, they, they need to play like this. And I know defensively they gave up a lot, but they actually hit Mahomes a lot. It, Mahomes had to make some outrageous throws on those third and longs in the third quarter, I thought were, were the difference to keep those drives going. And so if they can play like this, they're at five and five. I actually think they can get better, but it's always these little plays. I don't know if, did you listen to the radio uh, mm-hmm. in this game at all? I heard DJ and Money late in the first half and at that point, the, the Chargers, you know, came back from 13-10 down to almost score two touchdowns to close the first half out and be 24-13 up. And they called a toss play on second in inches when they could have just called Herbert to pick up that first down mm. and take all the clock away. And the second they called that play, Money and DJ got as upset as you'll hear home announcers at the play calling. And even before they ran third down, (laughs) DJ was like, that's a four point play right there. You got to just take the first down. And they were right. And that at the end of the game, I'm just thinking about them in that moment saying that's a four point play and thinking, man, how big would those four points be? So many tough losses for the chargers. Unbelievable. And and the chiefs roll up 485 yards in this uh, game. And Patrick Mahomes, I believe you, Greg, you, you picked uh, Mahomes to win MVP. I don't think it's going to be close. I think he's going to walk away with this award. And it's sometimes it's these primetime games that help to decide it. And everyone will remember this as yet another memorable game for Patrick Mahomes, who stepped on that field down four points with a minute 45 and two timeouts to play with only a 24% chance of winning. <laughs> and yet he got it done. I got it done too. I did lock it up. And that was a little too close for comfort, uh, but I'll take it. Uh, I think the Wessling brothers, uh, the prodigal son, Nick Wessling, he got it done uh, with a lot. Who did he lock up, uh, Gravedigger? The Commandos. Sorry, Justin. So I think we all kind of got back to our winning ways. Well, besides Justin, who, um, yeah, the 37-point loss by the Vikings. Yeah, that's a a lock and a half loss. I don't know if ATN lockups will recognize it, Uh, but like the Wesleyans, how they keep their own standings, which is nonsense. It's like they're going to make some argument that one of the Wesleyan brothers actually should have won. I'm having my own standings, and Graver, you're now a half game even behind what what you were going to be. He can't even get in. He doesn't want to talk about it. He's upset. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Again, this is going to be a different week this week because of the holiday here in the States. So you will get a regular Tuesday show, but it won't be quite regular because it will be kind of a Thanksgiving Day preview of the three really good games to come. And then we'll get you caught up on the news. Wednesday will be our full preview as opposed to Thursday. Uh, You will not hear or see us on Thanksgiving proper, but Friday morning will be up and Adam early ahead of USA England, by the way. Mm. And no I, Friday I, I, fun show, but we'll release a, a yeah. recap of the Thanksgiving games very early. And you forgot, you know, the biggest 
podcast of the week, the Monday Night Football Recap 49ers Cardinals. I didn't forget it because I wanted to cycle back to it because it's Jason Zumwalt, the voice of God, quite literally for this show now. Uh, and Greg Rosenthal will recap San Francisco, Arizona on Monday. So big week of show schedules a little different, but plenty of content as always. Thank you for thank you to everybody uh, for listening. And um, I hope if you did um, like me have to swallow sadness on this Sunday that you chewed properly and carefully before <laughs> sending it down your gullet and into your digestive tract <laughs> and then get rid of it. And I'll leave it at that. Just get it out of your body and we we move forward. Well, there's only one way I can get out. Yeah. We're ending the show talking about poop. All right. Here we go. Dan Hans is signing off uh, for <laughs> the quiet storm. Uh, <laughs> the old boss, Grave Digger, the pipe. Until Monday night, heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.